A wonderful morning to you. If this is your first time po to be with us, we want you to know that in this place, we do not believe in accidents. We believe that God has a good plan and purpose for your life. That is why you are here. So if it's your first time here to be with us, or maybe it's not your first time, but you don't have friends yet, please don't hesitate to approach me, any of our pastors, any of the people that you saw here on stage, or our handsome and beautiful ushers. Can I, can I see the hands of our ushers? Yeah. Approach them because we have a gift for you and we would love to connect with you. If you are watching us online, we also want to give you a special welcome. And we would love to see you here face-to-face with us one of these days. All right? So for those who don't know me yet, I am Pastora Anna Coro, and it's a privilege for me to share the Word of God with you. Are you ready to hear the Word of God this morning? Kulang sa coffee. Are you ready to hear the Word of God this morning? All right, let's do this. I have some pictures to show you, and I want you to tell me what's similar to all of them. Okay? For those that were here at the 8 o'clock service, please don't answer. So, those four people, Nelson Mandela, uh, most of you may know him, uh, Africa's greatest freedom symbol, uh, father of modern South Africa, Nobel Peace Prize winner, Uh, Steve Jobs, of course, what's he known for? Co-founder of Apple. And we have Grace Poe, one of our senators, and John Lennon. Beatles. Yay! (laughs) A fan, right? So what's similar to all of them? They're known, that's right. They're They're all very famous. Correct. What else? Outstanding, correct. In their fields, they are outstanding, excellent. No, they have been a blessing to where they have been placed. What else? Influencers, correct. They are, diba? Hanggang ngayon, John Lennon, is he still alive? No. <laughs> but there are so many fans, right? When I mentioned his name, they're like, yes, John Lennon, Beatles, right? So, what else? What else? Actually, yes, visionaries, they are all adopted. They're all adopted. They didn't grow up, nor were they reared or brought up by their biological parents. But somebody with a big heart and a big vision for them took them into the family, and they become the people that we see here now. So as we continue our salvation series today, our topic for today is... Adoption. Adoption. So, do you remember the first, the, you know, our salvation series? What was the first one that we talked about? Preached by Pastor Albert. Yes, regeneration. Next is? Justification. The third one is? Sanctification. And last Sunday was? Redemption or our union with Christ. So, today we're going to talk about adoption. A very, very special special term, big deal siya to the Lord and to the, to the gospel, right? To, to the apostles who wrote the, our scriptures. Uh, and it should be a big deal to us. So we're going to get into that uh, because it's, it's more of like a, it, it's a really uh, deep word that the Lord wants us to grasp. So can you ask the person beside you, ampon ka ba? <laughs> to those who don't know Tagalog, can you ask the person beside you, are you adopted? 
there's like, there's like weird laughter in the room. Because culturally, when we ask that question, uh, we have a stigma attached to the term adopted or ampon. No? The Tagalog term for adopted is ampon. Remember, like in my generation and those that are older, now it's not so much. Uh, but when we were younger, uh, whenever we want to bully someone, we call them <laughs> ampon kalang, right? And so to us, there's like a stigma attached to it. But as we go through the scriptures, we're going to see how God is going to redeem this beautiful word no, of adoption. When we talked about, when Pastor Albert taught us about regeneration, this is how special adoption is. When Pastor Albert taught us about regeneration, we learned that because of God's goodness and mercy and power no, and great love for us, He made us spiritually alive. We were dead to sin, but because of God's grace and mercy and by His initiation, it's His act, He made us spiritually alive. So when He made you spiritually alive, did He have to make you His child? Not necessarily. So, for example, when we talk about beings that are spiritually alive, we have angels. Angels are spiritually alive, but the Bible doesn't tell us that they are children of God. Right? When we talk about justification, He could have forgiven our sins and given us right legal standing before Him, but did He have to make us His children? Isn't it a blessing enough that we were declared not guilty? So for example, you stand before a judge and you have an enormous amount of debt, meaning you were guilty. So you stand before a judge and then somebody, because of the greatness of their heart and their generosity, your debt was paid. And so yung, the, the case was retracted and you were declared by the judge as not guilty. After that declaration, do you think the judge would say, Oh, now, since you are not guilty, I will take you home and make you my child. <laughs> to all the judges out there, I don't think any of you would do that. All of the not guilty people, I'm going to take you home and make you my children. No. It's a blessing in itself to be declared not guilty, to be paid for, by, not by our own, but by somebody who just loved us enough and by their initiation because out of the goodness and abundance of their hearts, you know, we were declared not guilty. That's justification. And sanctification, of course, you were set apart by God. But you can be set apart. Like a toothbrush. It's set apart. But do you have to make it your child? Just kidding. No. When you set something apart, right? And you're taken from glory to glory to glory, you can do that to an employee. Set them apart. Set them to work. Treat them very, very well. Take them from glory to glory. And now we come to union with Christ and adoption. They are very, very close. Adoption talks about a much more personal relationship. So can you imagine, can you have a better appreciation now of what Jesus has done for us? Diba? What God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, that, was, that is why the price was so great. We were regenerated. We were justified. We, we were sanctified and we are being brought from glory to glory to glory. And we are one with Christ and we have been adopted. Can you read this definition with me? Adoption is 
an act of God whereby He makes us members of His family. Somebody say, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! There's a story of a teacher talking to the first graders, talking to them about adoption. And one of the girls said, Teacher, I'm adopted. And this is how my mom taught this to me. It is when a child grows in your heart instead of your tummy. Oh, diba? And in a way, isn't that what God did? You know, we grew in His heart, not because you're so good, but just because He has such a big loving heart that even before the, the foundations of the world was created, He had you in His mind. He knew your name. He predestined you to be His son and His daughter. What a wonderful plan and what a wonderful God. So we're going to go through Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. These are scriptures. I'm going to overload us with scriptures for today. Is that okay? Because I want you to see that this is not by any man's word. The redemption of that word adoption comes from the word of God in the very heart of a loving heavenly father. So Romans 8, chap, uh, chapter 8, verses 12 to 17 was written by the apostle Paul. And it says this, and maybe you can read it with me so that we learn more together, okay? So it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit you put to death, the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic term, a term of endearment to a father, to a dad. It's not, hello, father. It's not like that. It's daddy, tai, papa. It's a very, very close, intimate relationship to somebody who is not far off. It is not a long-distance relationship, but it's a very close, heart-to-heart relationship. No, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Somebody say, hallelujah. hallelujah. We love that, to share in His glory. Amen? But before that, it says, we also share in His? Ooh. We also share in His? Sufferings. Okay? So when you look at those verses again, next slide, I want you to see how many familial terms we're going to see, right? I underlined it for us already. What's the first one? Brothers and sisters. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you have brothers and sisters, biological? Are they a blessing to you? Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> yes, real talk right here. I feel you, girl. Oh, my brothers are here. No, <laughs> You are a blessing to me, guys. <laughs> right? I think the more important question is, are we a blessing to them? Right? 
Sometimes. <laughs> Real talk again. Right? But isn't it wonderful that if we can have a very good relationship with our siblings biologically, that we can have an awesome relationship with a greater family of God. So many wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ. I was sharing with the 8 o'clock service this morning that because I have three younger brothers, huge age gap, I used to change their diapers when they were small, that huge. I used to take them to school, you know, uh, love them, serve them. But now that they were all grown up, they sometimes help me. I was going to say they serve me. No, they help me. <laughs> They're a blessing to me. There are so many things that I don't know that they are experts at. And sometimes, you know, they're my call-a-friend. Louis and I, they, they are our, our call-a-friend sometimes. To pick up uh, Hallie, to help us with a car, to give us their expertise, you know. How much more with the brethren in the Lord? The board members, oh my stars, such rich wisdom, knowledge, abundance of generosity and love. Our pastors here, my stars, dream team. If you have your own church, I pray you will have a PLT like ours. No, I mean, so many wonderful brothers and sisters here in Beginnings Church family, and we are growing. Can you imagine if there is a church like this, and it doesn't have to be our church, but the churches that God is putting together, His children coming together in every barangay, in every city, in the Philippines, like this, where the Spirit of God is transforming everybody, and we have an assurance in our hearts that we are children of God. Hallelujah. What a vision. Children, adoption to sonship, Abba, Father, then God's children. Next slide, po, please. God's children, children, heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. So many underlined words in six verses. Diba? Us Filipinos, we're kind of used to that family thing. Have you noticed? For those that are foreign here, maybe you've noticed it. We, you, you'll hear us call each other uh, bro, sis, or the, the elders, tito, tita, as if we're family, even if we're not blood-related. We get that. But when we talk about adoption, that is a deeper, deeper, much more richer meaning. Adoption was the legal action. Can you say legal Legal action by which a person takes into his family a child, not his own, with the purpose of treating him as and giving him all the privileges. Can you say all the privileges? All the privileges. Of his own natural child. In the Filipino culture, I don't know if you do this, uh, in, in our family, we have something like that. Sometimes you adopt someone in the family, not legally, but diba, you adopt them, treat them as your own family, uh, maybe, maybe you're like that also if one family is having a hard time or somebody wants to have a child. You know, there's something like that, correct? So you treat them as family. But real adoption that is being talked about here is a legal right. It's a legal right. I love F.F. Bruce. Uh, he's, uh, he's a uh, New Testament scholar. He said this, in the Roman world of the first century AD, now watch this. This is why the Apostle Paul is so big on adoption. In the Jewish culture, kasi, if you lost your parents, it is automatic that your relatives would take you in. There are tribes of Israel. So you have, you know, that's the way that it goes. 
But in the Roman culture, which Apostle Paul was referring to, it's like this. In the Roman world of the first century AD, an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. He was no whit inferior in status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature and might well enjoy the father's affection more fully and reproduce the father's character more worthily. Wow. That was adoption. That was what the Apostle Paul was talking about. This is what Peter was talking about in some of his writers, writings. John, he was talking about this as well. So whenever you go through the scriptures and you see being a son of God and being adopted into his family, this was their reference. In the Roman culture before, number one, when you're adopted, there is acceptance. Can you say that? Acceptance into a new family, meaning your position changed. In fact, it was very common that when a Roman adopted a son, it's, uh, it's usually coming from a slave, not a relative. So number one, your position changes. From a slave, you become a child. Your address changes. Your home changes. From where you were, you are now part of the family of your adoptive father. Your identity changes. If you weren't a Roman citizen, then you became one. Everything changed. In ancient Rome, adoption had a powerful meaning. When a child was born biologically, listen to this, when a child was born biologically, the parents had the option of disowning the child for a variety of reasons. The relationship was not necessarily desired by the parent nor permanent. How many parents do we have here? Okay. When you, when you had your biological child, did you have a choice? on what they would be, right? It's not like when Louis and I conceived, it's like, I want a girl. And Louis goes, no, I want a boy. And it's like, there's this like, you know, in the tablet, oh, I, I want a girl. I want her complexion to be like this. I want her character to be like this. No, when you have a biological child, whatever comes out, that's it. Right? When you were adopted, you were intentionally chosen you were deliberately chosen, freely chosen, and desired by your adoptive parents. Secondly, that child would be a permanent part of the family, and parents couldn't disown a child that they adopted. You're stuck with me for life. Thirdly, an adopted child received a new identity, meaning any prior commitments, responsibilities, and debts from his old life, they were all erased. Now he has a new commitment, a new identity, a new set of responsibilities, and fourthly, most importantly, they become heirs in the family. And they don't wait until the parents are gone for them to inherit yung, yung mana nila right? Yung, yung what, what the parents would endow. The moment you get into a family in Roman culture, you enjoyed all of the benefits of that family. You became a partner with your father and with your brothers and sisters. It is experienced and it is enjoyed in the now, not just in the future. There's something in the future, but there's also in the now. John chapter 1, verse 12. We, of course, know this. Yet to all who received him, and this is John, not 
Paul anymore. This is written by the Apostle John. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe him. It's not by works. You believe the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and that is why we have an appreciation of all of the preachings from the past Sundays. Because all of the work that was initiated by God, worked out by the Holy Spirit, comes to this. We simply believe. We believe and we become a child of God. Now, there are two options. You see there in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 3, all of us, prior to our relationship with God through Jesus, we lived among them, the world, at one time, fulfilling the cravings of our flesh and indulging its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature children of wrath. So before believing in Jesus Christ, before salvation, we were called children of wrath. There was a time in the Gospels that Jesus called the Pharisees children of the devil. You choose whose father you're going to serve. Do you want to be a child of God or do you want to be a child of wrath or a child of the devil? So in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, I love this. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. When you believe in Jesus, when you take hold of the grace that He is extending to us for salvation, we become children of God. In the Roman culture, you adopted someone probably because they will be good for your family. Let's face it. The father knows the person. You know, they probably, you know, he probably knows. Oh, this is going to be a good person who would carry my family name. With us, there was nothing in us that is worth this, you know, this privilege. But because God's lavish love, we are called children of God. Pastor Albert usually mentions this, and, and I love it. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this, The Son of God became a, son, became a man to enable men to become sons of God. To be adopted and to be accepted had a very high price to pay. I remember Pastor Dennis and Sister Dini when they adopted Emma. The first time that we saw her, uh, we were back in the old building, I think, no, that she was just a tiny, tiny baby. And they weren't adopting her yet. They were just, you know, she was, I, I, I don't know if she was abandoned or, but so they, they, they had her because of gentle hands. Uh, and then this child grew in their heart and they started the adoption process, which was hard, bloody, sweaty, teary, and very, very expensive. In our country, it's not easy to adopt a child. Although I think there are laws recently that makes it easier. And we understand that because they want to make sure that the child is not going to be slaves. Because also culturally, and this is something that we have to confront also, no? I'll be very, very blunt. In the past, there have been families who would adopt people just so that they can become slaves. Right? I'm going to adopt you, but actually they're going to do, they're going to do the household chores. They're going to take care of this. They're going to take care of that. That's not a child. That's a slave. That's a slave. But God accepts us, and it was paid for by a very high price. 
Secondly, we have access. We have privileges. Can you say privileges? Benefits. Oh, blessings. Love that. If you weren't able to catch up on our doctrines, uh, services on Saturdays, Pastor Danny and his team have been talking about that. Blessings, right? For the past two Saturdays. I remember Tita Lilia. Kalilia, blessing. Blessing. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Let's read this together. But when the fullness of the time came, yes, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Hallelujah. That is privilege. That is privilege. Our Heavenly Father, He's rich. He owns everything. Now, I don't need to have everything to feel like I'm contented. No. The Lord knows what we need and what we can handle. But the intimate relationship that we have with God, that access, if God is your heavenly Father, then you have everything you will ever need because He is a good, good Father. In Luke chapter 11, and this is very common, uh, we know this by heart. Filipinos, yes? We know this by heart, the English translation and the Tagalog translation, yes? Love that. It starts off with our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Let's say this together. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This was the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And next slide, Pope, please. It tells us, that it gives us everything that we need. First and foremost, relational. It says, our Father. And it talks about not just a vertical relationship that we can call him Abba Father, but it talks about our Father. Can you turn to the person beside you and tell them, our Father? Our Father. It talks about community. It talks about us being together in this, in the family of God, with all of the richness and wisdom and and love that the family of God gives. No? So relational, physical. How many of you need a lot of things for your life? Every day. Yes? Kanina, the prayer of Pastor Albert, so beautiful. Yes, we are in need. We come here, we worship, we praise, but we are also in need. Every day we have a need. So what do we do every day? We call on our Abba Father. Lord, I need healing. Lord, I need tuition. Lord, I need wisdom. Lord, I need patience. Everything we need, we can ask our Heavenly Father. Spiritual needs, He can fill it. He's the only one who can fill it. Psycho-emotional needs, it's there also in scriptures. If you want to know more about that, join a life group. Seriously. A life group saved my life. We were meant to be in communion with each other. Our Father. You don't just pray, Our Father, and you're alone. Oh, you know, mental telepathy, Yoda. <laughs> the force is strong in this one, alone. No. <laughs> we do it together, right? 
But wait, there's more. What else are our other privileges? Aside from all of that, God is our Heavenly Father. He is supreme, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He's our healer, provider, etc., etc., etc. Romans 8.23 tells us not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Wait, there's more. Not, do we, not, not only do we experience the blessings of the now, there is so much more in the future. Part of that is the redemption of our bodies. How many of you are getting older? <laughs> every time, every month that we have communion, I'm like, oh, we're a month older. 267 days before Christmas. Diba? Like so many white hairs coming. The body is failing. But in the future, we're going to have glorified bodies because God is so good. That's part of the redemption process. Talk about privileges. And lastly, we have accountability. We have responsibilities. Can you say accountability? Responsibilities. Let me talk to you a little bit about a guest versus family. When you have a guest in your home that will be sleeping over, do you know the... The general rule, the rule of thumb, how many days is a guest supposed to sleep over in a home? Two weeks? Love the generosity. <laughs> One week? Rule of thumb is usually three days. Kapag ikaw ay bisita, three days. Beyond that, you're a I'm not saying it. You did. You thought it. I didn't say it. You thought it. Right? I mean, of course, uh, unless you're very, very good friends. But if it's somebody who treats you like family, diba? it extends. One week, two weeks, right? A month. <laughs> but family is different. Family is really different when you're adopted. You know, when, when I was younger, uh, one of my uncles used to adopt me. Uh, into their family, and I loved it. They, they would adopt me, adopt me, because I was family, uh, for a couple of days. And I loved it because, number one, they had Nintendo in their home. We didn't. And, uh, you know, they, they had fried chicken every week, and we didn't have that every week, because my mom was very healthy. <laughs> so when we were there, I had all of the privileges of the biological children. But when I was there also, I was really treated like family. I took on certain responsibilities like my cousins. If I were a guest, I would be treated very differently, correct? When you have a guest, do you have them clean the plates after they eat? Yes. <laughs> Are you Filipino? <laughs> yeah. But sometimes we do that, right, when we're family. Actually, when, when I'm allowed to clean up after, I feel more at home when I'm very close to the people hosting me because I feel like family. But when you're a guest, like for example, PD comes to your home or sip na Pastor Albert or Ate Barbs. Tapos, Ate, Ate Barbs, Pastor Albert, we're done eating na. Can, can, <laughs> can you take care of the dishes? I'll take the trash out. No, we don't. We don't. They're guests. With your family, you have accountability and responsibilities. That's just part of being a family, right? 
Like that's why the verse that we read, our original verse, Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters, what do we have? Next po, please. We have an obligation. We have an obligation. We have privileges and we have responsibilities. But these responsibilities were intended by God to mold us, to make us productive, to give our lives meaning and purpose so that we can be more like His Son, Jesus. God is the perfect Father. No? He has good intentions for you. So all of these obligations and responsibilities are working things out in us. Yung sanctification, that's part of it the obligations and responsibilities. And next verse, in verse 17, what do we see here? If, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. The apostles during their time, they found it a privilege to suffer in the same way that Jesus did. That's why in the, old, uh, in the early church, when you look at their history, their biographies, my goodness, like I, you would feel embarrassed when, we, when we, we are ashamed of the gospel. They gave their lives. They put their lives on the line and they counted it a privilege when they suffered the same way that Jesus did. Lodi talaga. Lodi. Like idol, not just when he's glorified, not just with the miracles, but even with his sufferings. That's family. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. Let's read this together. This is very important. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? Can you tell the person beside you, encouragement to. This is an encouragement, okay? It says, let's read this together. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Discipline is good. Discipline is part of God's love language. So if you only have the five, Add food. There are five love languages. I add food because food is my love language. And seventh is discipline. Discipline is God's love language. And Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. So we see here we have an obligation to God. We have an obligation to each other, the one another's. And in Philippians chapter 2, this is our obligation to the rest of the world. It says, do everything without grumbling. Let's read this together. Let's read this together. This is really fun. Philippians chapter 2. And next slide, po, please. Yan. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. And everybody says, <laughs> ouch, no? So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Hallelujah. So we have acceptance where you change positions, access where we gain privileges, 
accountability, where we gain responsibilities. I was looking in scripture about the best example of adoption. I can't find something that would be easy to think about. Moses, yeah, but you know, Joseph, he had all the privileges, but he wasn't adopted. Imagine if Joseph, Joseph the dreamer, had that much favor with Pharaoh, and he's not even adopted. He was just favored and loved by Pharaoh. Imagine what a good father can do. Ask, seek, knock. If earthly fathers can give good things to their children, how much more your perfect heavenly father? So I went back to John. John chapter 1, verse 12. The one who said, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When John was called by Jesus to become his disciple. He left everything. He left his father, James and John. They were called by Jesus. They left their father, and they followed Jesus. But in Mark chapter 3, verse 17, this was his description. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges. That means sons of thunder. Pakisabi nga sa katabi mo, kulog ka ba? <laughs> thunder. Why? Why would you call somebody sons of thunder? A son of thunder. Why? Maybe maingay, maybe no? Maybe it's not really a term of endearment. You try calling your spouse that. Honey, you're like thunder. <laughs> it, it doesn't fit. In Mark chapter 9, verse 38, maybe, maybe, and this is, this is what scholars would say, this is a description of John during his walk with Jesus. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. They're not following the rules. And Jesus said to them, said to him in particular, let them, if they're working with us, they're not against us. Chill, chill. Another instance, Mark 10, 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Wow. <laughs> Eddie, Wow. <laughs> During the Last Supper, after Jesus washed their feet, after all of this, the mom comes to Jesus. Can my children be this and that and this and that? One is on your left hand, one is on your right hand. And the brothers asked Jesus directly, can we be on your left hand and your right hand? Because they were political. And Jesus was trying to tell them, this is not about a political affiliation. This is about you becoming part of the family. Hindi ito tungkol sa politika. Ito ay pamilya. Right? So that was John. And I love this. Luke chapter 9, verse 54. My favorite. Jesus tells them to go to a Samaritan village. They were rejected. They, want, they needed to buy something. They were rejected because they were going to Jerusalem. Samaritans didn't like Jews. And he said, when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Kidlatin <laughs> sila. Have you ever said that prayer? Sana kidlatin siya, right? 
John did that. My golly. Sons of thunder. And yet, when we read him after his encounter at the cross, he's this mushy, cheesy, love, 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 love guy. Right? This is him in John chapter 13, verse 23, reclining at the breast of Jesus during the last, during the dinner with Judas. Yeah, during the last supper. Right? In John chapter 19, verses 26 to 7, and I love this. John, the moment that he followed Jesus, even with his many quirks, he stayed with him as much as he can. Close to him, even on the cross. Close enough that when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, this is John, this is how he addressed himself. He said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. This is family. This is family. John was never the same after his encounter with the cross. So that when Jesus was resurrected and Peter and John were fishing, when Jesus was at the, at the shore telling them, have you caught anything? You know, he was resurrected. They haven't seen him yet. John heard Jesus' voice and said, it's the Lord. He recognized him. It's the Lord. And John was never the same. John 13, 23, one of them, the disciples whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. In all of the ways that John referred to him in the book of John, in his writing, he never said, I. He never said, John. It was always the disciple that Jesus loved. So even when in John chapter 19, verse 26, that was the same way that he referred to himself, his mother and the disciple whom he loved. Six times he said that. So we see this person in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. In those 15 verses... 27 times he talks about love, 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 love. From being the son of thunder to the son of God. This is a transformation of adoption. Adoption. So now we see in 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he writes, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. When you read in the scriptures that you are pertained to as the child of God, adopted of God, that we can call him Abba, Father, look at the apostles and the way that they wrote that. They were changed men and women from students to friends to family, sons and daughters of the living God. Why? Because God loves us. Nothing in us ever deserves to become children of God. But because of the great love that He lavished on us, we are His children when we believe in Jesus Christ. Can I ask everybody to stand? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
this morning, I want us to close our eyes. And this is very important. Being adopted. I pray that the Holy Spirit, through God's Word, will take away that stigma of adoption. That word, culturally, with us, right? Because adoption is a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. The next time that you ask the person, are you adopted? <laughs> it won't hold that stigma anymore. It won't sting. God has redeemed that word. Yes, Lord, you adopted me. You loved me when I was unlovable and took me in. Took me in. I remember one of my brothers, well, actually, my, my younger brothers, uh, they have this habit of adopting stray cats. Sorry. Uh, you can look at me. Don't close your eyes yet. <laughs> I just remembered it. Uh, Miguel, when he was younger, he, he brought home this ugly kitten that he saw on the road. Ugly, ugly guys with fur that is just mangy, mangy, like patches and with eyes so much gunk. <laughs> Have you ever adopted kitties? Who, who among you here like adopting cats? Yep. Yep, I see you. Such tender hearts. I don't have that kind of heart. God bless you. <laughs> my brothers are like that. My, my brother Albert is like that. It's like, well, get cats and love on them and spend on them and take them in as their own. And if people can do that for pets, how much more can God do that for us? Our adoption took a very, very high price so that we can become children of God. Now, the most important decision that we're going to make today is to make sure that in your heart, it says in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit bears witness in our hearts that we are children of God. Now, with all eyes closed, just close your eyes. I want to ask you today, are you sure that you are a child of God? Maybe some of you, you prayed the prayer before, but you're not sure. Maybe the prayer didn't really mean that much. Or maybe you just want to be sure. Maybe the Holy Spirit is just dealing with your heart. For the past few Sundays, we had these wonderful lessons, like the series that we've had, just to remind us of what salvation really means. So today, today, I want everybody to make a decision. I want us to be sure that we will leave this place as a child of God because the other option has eternal consequences that is just dreadful either we're a child of God or we are children of wrath if you are here and you want to make sure that you are a child of God can you just quickly raise your hand so we can pray for you maybe you've strayed away maybe you're not sure of where you are at maybe, lots of maybes pero if you are not sure you just sense it in your heart that you're not sure if you're a child of God, just raise your hand high. Raise that. Yep, yep. God sees you. God sees you. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And can I ask you to take a bold step of faith? Can I ask you to come meet me here in front so we can pray for you? If you're on the balcony, come down. Come down. Like what Kuya Ramel did earlier. Just come down. There, there's a staircase at the back. You can carefully go there if our ushers can. We won't take very long, but we want to make sure. We want to pray with you. We want to explain this to you. 
Those who raise their hands, come, 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 come. Very quickly, just come, come. You're not sure and you want to be sure. Just come. Just come. If you are if you are bearing guilt and shame, then we'll pray for you. Maybe it's just a matter of like reminding you of who you are in Jesus. But just come. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need. Yeah, come brother, come brother. Can we give the Lord a hand for those that took the courage to come? Come, 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 come. I saw some hands lifted a while ago. Just come, just come, just come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm also going to make another altar call. If you are here, before we have, oh my stars, I'm so sorry. Before we take communion, uh, if you are here and you have a strained relationship with your father, can I just ask you to come? Everybody just close your eyes. Close your eyes so that the people who might want to come won't feel embarrassed. If you are here and you have a strained relationship with your father or with your parent, they have not, unfortunately, they have not represented God well. Can you come? And we would love to pray for you. Yeah, just come. Come. Thank you, Lord. If that is you, yeah, that is you. Just come. We're not here to condemn your dad. I'm a parent. I'm sure I have inflicted a lot of wounds. Not, not by design. Not, not, not intentionally. But let this day be a day of healing. Thank you, Jesus. Just come. Just come. Just come. Just come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And for those that are standing, if you're not going to go to the front for prayer, let's take communion together. In front of you are bags. For those that are still praying, it's okay. It's okay. Just keep praying. The Holy Spirit is doing something special today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, this coming week is Holy Week. We're going to be reminded of what Jesus went through on the cross for us so that we can become children of God. So as we prepare our bread and juice, I'm going to read the scripture together. And the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. Thank you. body was the price he had to pay so we can become children of God in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying 
this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink the juice together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. we are called children of God that we can come together in communion with you and with each other and I pray Lord for your blessing Lord all of the access all of the privileges of the children of God upon my brothers and sisters I pray for boldness I pray for anointing I pray for strength I pray for healing I pray for all that you have for us Lord that we won't miss it. We won't miss it. Hallelujah. And Lord, give us, Lord, the wisdom, the grace, the strength to be able to take care of the responsibilities you are entrusting to us. Because in those responsibilities, you are molding us to be the men and women of God that you have called us to be. And in all of these things, we want to give you back all of the glory, honor, praise, and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people say... Amen and amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord have His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and grant you His peace. God bless you. See you for tomorrow online for our daily devotions. Friday for Good Friday service and Sunday for our Easter services. God bless you. Paul. God bless you. <laughs>